right, y'all. How you doing? It's summer, baby, and the sun's out. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Uh, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in the woos on the sun because it literally rained for like so long, and the sun's finally out. God's going to get a hold of y'all's hearts. All right, we're in the middle, or we're actually closing down and, and, and coming to the end of a series today, um, and we're starting a new series next week. Uh, the one that we're closing down is called We Love Almoral. Say, We Love Almoral. And if you don't know how to pronounce Almoral, you're not, you're not from here, and that's okay. We love you. We accept you. Um, how you say Almoral is you pretend there's no B, and it's just Almoral, okay? That's how you do it. Almoral, yeah. It's like Mount Gilead. You don't say Mount Gilead. You say Mount Gilead. So, uh, we've been talking about several different things in, in this series, and today we're going to close down with this whole idea of celebration, because the Church of Jesus, we're a church that loves Albemarle. Why do we love Albemarle? Because Jesus loves Albemarle. Amen. There you go. Yeah, Jesus loves Albemarle, and Jesus works in our hearts and through us, and so tomorrow morning, bright and early, we have a kids' camp that's starting out of East Albemarle Elementary School. And we've got kids from all over the community that are coming in to that camp, and we're going to share the love of Jesus. And it's exciting, and it's good. And on Wednesday night, we're not having our ministries here like normal. We're going to have a pool out at East Almoral, and we're having a baptism barbecue. And we're going to baptize all the people that want to get baptized, and we're going to eat all the barbecue that Charlie and his team cooks. Yeah. And it's going to smell great out there. And if, if you don't eat meat, you're wrong. And I'm sorry, you're not wrong. You're just, you know, probably thin and, <laughs> and healthy. Uh, but we're going to have this thing out there. It's going to be so much fun. And I don't want you to miss it. It starts Wednesday, Wednesday night at 6 and it goes until, but we're baptizing everybody. So if you've decided to follow Jesus and you have not been baptized... Sign up today. You can do that on the app. It's on the bottom of the app. You just click, um, what do you click? Sign ups. That's what you click. And then you just sign up to be baptized. So today we're, we're, we're closing this series with all this stuff in mind. And we've been asking you this month, uh, our hope fund, uh, with, with our giving, we have tithes and, all, tithes and then we have hope fund. Our hope fund is, is funding this camp. So we had a $10,000 goal. We've not met that yet. Um, so if you haven't given and you want to give, uh, please, we're, we're going to be doing all of this out there, and, and we've got awesome folks that are setting up the pool and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're doing a, a new series. We're going back in next week. If you've been here for the past two to three years, uh, back in 2021, I started a summer series on the book of Acts, and we're finishing up the book of Acts Starting next week, we're starting in Acts 21 through 28, and if you like good old-fashioned, get into the scripture kind of stuff, that, I mean, that, that series is going to be it, and on Wednesday nights, we just get into all the good nerdy stuff that I couldn't get into in the sermons, and so that's what's, what's coming up with that. By show of hands, who loves a good party? Yeah, okay, cool. Some of y'all are like, nope, I don't like parties. Every party has a pooper, Okay. But if you like parties, the best parties, and raise your hand if you can identify with this, the best parties are when you forget about what time it is. Yeah, and you just talk, and you hang out, and you have fun, and, and you don't know that it's like getting nighttime to, until you see that the sun's like almost gone. 
And, 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 and some of y'all don't party until the sun goes down. And, and okay. But, but the best parties are when you forget about what time it is. And this coming uh, Wednesday night, we're having a party. Today, we've got, the, uh, we've got a kids' ministry team coming in to help us with this, uh, with this camp, Camp Seek and Find. And they're called Kids Ablaze, led by uh, Randy Thompson, letting y'all know him. We're having a party at my house this afternoon uh, with all those people coming in, and I'm smoking chicken legs. Like, when you, when you throw parties at your place, you get a reputation. And for me, I get a reputation for smoking. Not smoking, but smoking yes, the chicken legs or the ribeyes or whatever. I love cooking and smoking some meat, man. And when you party hard and when you have party, you get a reputation. Just ask Jesus. Jesus was called all kinds of names by religious people. You read in the Bible, uh, religious people called him a drunkard and a glutton. Does that mean that Jesus drank till he got drunk or that Jesus ate and, and got really, really fat? No. That means he got the reputation of that because he hung around people who partied. He was always around people who were looking to have a good time, looking to just live their life. And what happened in these people's lives, like there's this one guy, Zacchaeus, Jesus hung around him, and after hanging around Jesus for less than a day, Zacchaeus makes this decision to take his wealth and repay people in the community that he had cheated. Like when you are a partier and you hang out with Jesus, something happens inside. And, and what, I, what I don't read in the story of Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus stopped partying. Or Zacchaeus stopped figuring out how to have a good time or stopped having dinner parties. What I read is that his heart was changed towards people. And that's the reputation of Jesus when we look at his life. He enjoyed life. He sat and he ate and he drank with people because those are where the heart changes happen. And some of the best stories that you'll ever have in your life happen when Jesus meets a person who is far away from Jesus, and they, they hang out. Those are some of the best stories ever. It's summertime, and we've got the, the pool open again. And my son, who is nine years old, um, early on in his life when we started swimming in the pool, he started, um, I started throwing him. Any, any dads, I mean, you know, it's just like your, your obligation it doesn't matter if you have a little boy or a little girl. It's your obligation to throw them across the pool. It just is. That's like what vacation is all about. And even if they protest, you just do it and, and they get used to it. And, and we probably, you know, probably should listen to them when they say no. But we don't because we're falling and we just don't. But eventually what happens, especially with my little boy, is I started throwing him across the pool when he was three. And that was easy. Now he's nine. And it's not as easy. And you know what happens when you throw a kid across the pool and you're having fun? He just swims back up to you and he says, Dad, again, again, do it again. And it's awesome like four times. And then it's like the 17th time. And your shoulder, you're feeling things like you haven't felt in a long time, you know. And now that he's, he's nine, what we'll do is I'll go underwater, he'll stand on my shoulders, and I'll come up, and he'll jump off my shoulders. And that's just a little pro tip for you dads that may be in your 40s. That's a winner move right there. Doesn't hurt as much. But sure enough, it just keeps going and going. And have you ever seen the eyes of a child 
who is having so much fun that they just keep saying again, again, again. Like they, they, they just want to keep doing that. That excitement is something that we also see, something similar to what we see in Scripture. Our text for today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 15. And here's what the apostle says to this group of people. He says, this resurrection life, say resurrection life. Did you know that living for Jesus, following Jesus, is a resurrection life? It's not a life that is dead, but a life that is alive. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Not long ago, a preacher here preached a sermon out of 2 Timothy where he said, where Paul said again, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. This resurrection life that God has for you is not a timid life. It's not a life that shrinks back. It's not a grave-tending life. Do you know what grave-tending lives do? They tend graves. They hang out with dead things. This resurrection life that you receive from God isn't timid. It doesn't shrink away. And it's not hanging around death. It's hanging around with life. Listen to what he says. It's adventurously expectant. Where did my verse go? Put my verse back up, please. Thank you so much. It's adventurously expectant. When's the last time you were adventurously expectant? When's the last time there was an adventure that you just kind of sat there and you're like, oh, I can't wait. This is going to be so good. I don't know what lies ahead of us, but man, I'm expecting something. If the Christian life that you're living, if this life after Jesus you're living, doesn't put some kind of adventurous expectation in you, you're missing out on something. Because that's what Paul's saying. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? And if, and if I could just pull from that story about the kids saying again and again and again, if I could just translate that a certain way, greeting God with a child like, again, again. Let's do it again. What's next? See, something, something happens in, in our life where... When we start aging and we start getting older, when organizations start aging, they, start, they stop taking as many risks. Look across the room, I see some business owners, I see some people who've been in industry for a while. And as, as time goes on, we kind of shy away from some of the risk-taking. As life goes on, as, as, as human beings, we tend to shrink back and play it safe. And there's some wisdom in that, by the way. There's some wisdom with not just jumping into the deep end of the pool without knowing how deep it is. There's some wisdom there. But there's also some adventure that I feel like as we age, we start missing out on. And we start saying things like, well, I've already done that. Been there, done that. I'm past that in my life. And to those of us who have found ourselves saying that, I want to invite you to go hang out with some 20-year-olds and just keep your mouth shut for about an hour. See what they talk about. You'll remember what it was like in your 20s to dream, to be naive, 
to think that you could work 28 hours on a 24-hour day. Before you got all the wisdom that you have today, you'll, you'll, go, you'll look back and you'll, you'll, you, you, the temptation is to go, all oh, those whippersnappers or all oh, those youngins, they don't know, they don't know, no, they don't. Don't take their innocence from them so quick. Encourage them, lead them on. And some of you whippersnappers and young folks, like me, could do well to learn from some of the bruises and scars that we see from some of our more senior relationships. Doesn't mean that we don't have to that we that we have to ignore adventure. But this life that you live for Jesus is the real life. And it's not a timid one. It's not grave tending. There's an adventurous expectation. That's what Paul is saying. And a church that knows the joy of a kid in the pool at summer is a church that can live forward and be like, what's next, God? What do you got for us next? I want us to be a church that knows how to be adventurously expectant or a church that knows how to party. A church that knows how to party, a church that knows how to look at God and go again, again, again. They know some things about life. First of all, they choose depth over surface. Say that with me. They choose depth over surface. It seems the opposite. It seems like the person that's just having all the fun is just kind of the surface level person. They've not figured out the realities of life. Look at how Paul talks about the reason in his own life. He had this thing figured out. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 3. The very credentials, these people are waving around as something special. These, these people who are waving around the credentials of, look, I've got it all figured out. I'm doing what? I'm tearing them up and throwing them out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. He's not saying they're insignificant in and of themselves. He's saying because of Christ, they're not as important. Because Christ has come, these credentials are not nearly as adventurous. We don't have nearly as much expectation. Why because of Christ? Yes, because all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. Does anybody have a good translation for dog dung? Give you a microphone and let you take all the emails. Okay. What's, what's going on with what Paul is saying here? Paul is determined that he will be focused on the depth of Christ rather than the applause of others. These people that are holding out credentials, and we have these people in our lives. We have these people. There are people in your life that you're trying to impress. And I know that our self-righteous kind of like independent street goes, oh, I don't care what people think. Yes, you do. You're wearing pants. Or something. You do care what people think. At a very basic level. At a deeper level, though, And we really care what people think because we put the filters on the posts and all the things. He counts the approval of of, of humanity as dog dung. Can you imagine? What does it look like when God's approval and God's 
God's connection with me means more than the approval of that one person in the office or that one supervisor. That, well, it means more to me than the likes or the hearts or the whatevers. What does it look like when I don't have to impress anybody but him? Let me tell you something. If you go through life focused on him, impressing him, it keeps you out of a lot of crazy. It keeps you free from a lot of drama. Like, I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to impress you. I want to do what's on your heart. And you know what? If that wins the praise and approval of other people, I'm just going to pass that on to you. Because that's not what I live for. Can you imagine? What does it look like when we live for the approval of God over others? This is what Paul is getting at here. He goes, I choose significance over their applause. The very thing that is the currency of our generation. Applause, applause, approval, alike, recognition. How many times have you found yourself saying, I just wish they'd recognize I do a good job. I'm a words of affirmation person. I need words. I need, I need an attaboy. I need an girl. I need a good game. Not from everybody. Real change always lasts when it's a result of a deep shift in my perspective, a deep sense of purpose. And if I'm living at the surface of God's will in life, chances are I'm going to be looking for that approval from others. But we, as a church that is looking to God for adventure, as a church that celebrates God's movement, that parties in this world, We're choosing depth over surface. There's a quote by Oz Guinness, and yes, it's that Guinness. He says this, I live before an audience of one. Before others, I have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. A church and the people that make that church, we exist for one person's approval. Who is that person? Four people. Whose approval do we exist for? Yes. Put it, burn it on your heart. Burn it inside of your brain. Burn it and brand it on you. We exist for the approval of Christ Jesus. Not for somebody else. That doesn't mean that we hate people or we despise. No, not at all. Actually, when we live for Christ's approval, we care about whether those people are seeing Jesus more than they're seeing us. Can I tell you one of the things that we are, and we did this at the Convoy event back in, in April, but we are, we, we are just committed to, if people ask us at the day camp this week what church we're part of and that kind of thing, we'll tell them. But we're, we're not using an outreach to people as some kind of weird fill the pews kind of strategy. Now, if people come to our church, I I believe people will be a part of the church of Jesus when they see Jesus. Like, Jesus builds his church. And I'm not against marketing. I think we got to, you know, let our name get out. we got some great shirts and all that kind of stuff. But we're not, every day, we're not hammering home the message that you should think Albemarle First Assembly and the people there and blah. Like, we're we're not blasting that. We're not, when we we hand out stuff for this camp, we're, we're not trying to make the church look great. We're trying to make Jesus look great. Because we do this for, the, for an audience of one. 
which use depth over surface. That means that we're a church. We are people who not only go all in with Jesus and his approval, but the love of Jesus for his creation. Do you know I've not yet met a person that Jesus does not command me to love? I can't find them. I've got people up for debate that I've submitted to him. Should we love this person? And every time it comes back, yes, I died for that person. I love them. I care for them. Depth over surface. We don't hold back. And we do it. We're going to come to the end of this camp, and we're going to do it with an attitude that says, look at how many kids, look at how many people are, are, are finding Jesus. And we're like, oh, gosh, what's next? Let's do it again. We're choosing depth over surface. A second thing that churches that party do is they choose adventure over boring routine. Say that with me. We choose adventure over boring routine. One of the practices we have on our, on our team, and I know it frustrates some people, but we're, we have this practice for a reason. We have a practice called zero-based budgeting and scheduling. Now, that sounds really nerdy and, and, and administrative, and some of you who like spreadsheets are just like chomping at the bits to figure out what this is all about. I can't wait to tell you. Zero-based budgeting and events means this. Just because we did something last year doesn't mean we're going to do it this year. Just because we've been doing something for a certain way, for a certain amount of time, it doesn't mean that it makes it into the future. What we do is we take all of our ideas and our plans and our schedules and all these things, and we put them to prayer, and we submit it to God, and we take it through our leadership, and it goes through, I mean, any staff people in here can nod their head, it goes through a ringer before we say, you know what, 2023, we're doing that. You know what that makes us do sometimes? It makes us not do certain things, which upset certain people. But here's the thing. We're not living for an audience of certain people. We're living for an audience of one person. God, what are you doing through the finances in this church, through the people's hearts in this church, through your church to impact your people for the future? Just because we have a tradition, it is not greater than what we may discern God's calling for the future. Period. We choose adventure over boring routine. Romans 8, there was these words, adventurously expectant. That translates to we're not going to be complacent. We're not going to run ourselves into a rut. We're not going to get into a boring routine. You know what complacency is? It's defined this way, an often unjustified feeling of being pleased with oneself or one's situation and achievements. Let that sink in for a minute. Because some of us might be guilty of complacency. Let me read that again. An often unjustified feeling of being pleased with oneself, my situation, or my achievements. Here's how Paul talks about his life in Philippians 3 again. He says this, I'm not saying that I have all this, this all together. So he's coming out with humility. That I have it made. But I'm well on my way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this life stuff. 
but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Paul is saying, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm on my way to figuring it out. Because with Jesus, with him, as the person I'm following, it gets better as I keep going. It doesn't just stay boring and routine and the same. And we said it in the sermon several weeks ago. I'll say it again today. There's several of us who have reached this place in life where it's easy for us to say, been there, done that. But if you aren't dead in this human body, God has purpose for you. Period. It is not over. There are lives to impact for the glory of God. And this life, we've already said it here, is not, we're not living for the approval of others or even ourselves, but for him. We choose adventure over same old, same old. And again, the older and more established a person or a business or an organization, yes, even a church, the easier it becomes to just turn inward. And to just protect more things. In the beginning, in the beginning, when we were nine-year-olds at the pool, screaming for more, or we were new on the job, looking for how we could make a difference, or we were new to the industry, dreaming about what, what, what we were going to be a part of, somewhere along the lines, we started arriving at something, and we just went into protection mode. Ask our, ask our staff around here at the church. If I see a closet in our church that's full of stuff, and that stuff hasn't been touched in years, guess what's happening to that stuff? It's going somewhere. Because there's too much going on for the kingdom of God and the glory of God for us to have any square foot under roof used as storage around here. There's too much going on. There's too many people who don't yet know. And do we have storage? Yes, we have some storage. But I, will walk, I walk around this church regularly and I say, when's the last time we've been in this room? Come on, let's, let's pull this stuff. And they go, oh, God. And poor Philip, he loves to organize things. And I'll just come in and I'll be like, what is all this? Well, I organized that. And it looks great. <laughs> Poor Jackie and Misty, I'll walk around the kids here and say, when's the last time? That, you know what I found? I'm just going to tell you, don't tell anybody this, okay? And those of you that are watching online, don't show this part of the video. I got here, and I know there was a good reason back in the day for this, but I found a, cough, a casket prop behind the stage in the kids' area. This shocked me. I walk back, and I see a casket. And I'm like, why do we have a casket? Who's climbing in that thing? How many times have we? I started asking so many questions. So many questions. Because for me, not having been a part of the past that, that brought me, I was like, this is so weird. What are we doing? And I would like to say that was the only casket I found in this building in my first year. It was not. I can't make this stuff up. The older, the more we keep going in life with the same, the, the less weird things are actually weird. How many of you? And I want to make you raise your hands for this, but I want. How many of you know that if somebody came into your house and just looked through your stuff, they would be like, that's a bona fide crazy person that lives there? <laughs> yeah, I said not to raise your hand. 
That's okay. I know, I'm jacked up. That's fine. We all kind of have our things and our, you know. But isn't that what happens? We just kind of hoard or we go into protection mode. Surrender, sacrifice, risk, adventure. These things go against our wiring as we get older. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. Some of us are control freaks. Some of us are, there's not a lot of amens on that. That tells me a lot of control freaks in the room today. Some of us just have to be in control all the time. And we can't figure out what to let go of. Because we can use it for something. And some of us grew up in a generation where we never, we, you never knew what that, you might need that thing for. There's a story I love to tell. When my daughter was, gosh, maybe six or seven, I don't know, she wanted a hamster. And being, being the incredible, humble, awesome parents that we are, we told her, you have to buy the hamster and the hamster cage and the food and the stuff and the stuff. And she did yard sales. She did it. She raised the money, and we went to PetSmart or wherever you buy hamsters, and she bought the hamster. And his name was Hammy, Hammy the hamster. And Hammy the hamster was in, the, in his little thing, and Hammy the hamster loved to run on his wheel at night, and we would hear this cuss word, cuss word wheel go all night long because they're nocturnal. Hammy the hamster works out at night. We had this hamster. I'll never forget the conversations that we would have about the hamster. If, if there's a fire, we got to make sure we get Hammy. We can't let Hammy perish in the fire. I'm thinking, I'm looking at her, I'm like, yes, you know, little seven-year-old, yes, sweetheart, of course. Inside, I'm going, you know what? I'm sorry. If the house is on fire, I'm looking for my daughter before I'm looking for Hammy. I'm making sure she gets out. And you know what? If she gets out and all my family's out and there's a fire, I'm not going back in for Hammy. I'm sorry. We will have the most awesome funeral for Hammy. I'm not going back in. Because when the risks are just right, when everything comes into perspective, we know exactly what's important. We know exactly what is important. But we must always remind ourselves as a church what's most important. And can I tell you something? And in my notes, I'll show you this thing right here. I put it in uh, highlighted, I put it in red and bold, and I underlined it. This part right here. Who isn't in our church family, who isn't knowledgeable about the gospel of Jesus, is more important than the people who are here today. Sharing the gospel is always more important than what we want to do otherwise. We are the only organization on the planet who exists for the people who aren't yet here. Amen. And some of us, we hear that and we really recoil because we're like, but we have hurting people here. Yes, we do. 
Yes, we are a family and we care for each other. I mean, I look around and I see story after story of our church caring for the people in our church. But can I tell you something? If we get so good at caring for each other that we never reach out, we're missing the audience of one's message altogether. We are not created to be a hospital or a nursing home that just cares for people in the club. That is not what the church is for. We are created as the church of Jesus to join his mission of seeking and saving the lost. This is why we give to missionaries, because we all can't go out to China or the Philippines where the choice are at today. We can't all go into the dark spots of Iraq where we have missionaries that I can't tell you about today. We're, that's not all of our callings, but we are all called to seek and say, we are all called to make disciples of the nations, Jesus said. So who isn't here? And this is not putting a butts in seats pastor kind of comment. I'm not, I'm not trying, I mean, it feels good and it's great when there's lots of people filling every single seat. When I say who's not here, I'm talking about the people far away from Jesus. Who's not here in our group with us following Jesus? Who's not here is always more important than our social calendar as a church. Why do you think we took VBS outside of our doors this year? Because we're just, we're just trying. God, if we take the message to, to people out in the community, will they care? Holy Spirit, guide us. Holy Spirit, help us. And you know what else? You always get the best stories in your life when people who are far from Jesus get close to Jesus. I'll never forget the story of Rodney. Rodney died a few years ago. And when we were pastoring in, in Baltimore, Rodney, uh, he was an usher. And, and he came to Jesus, but Rod, Rodney, Rodney was an usher, and he walked everywhere. He didn't have a vehicle. And Rodney was always smiling, and sometimes Rodney was drunk. <laughs> sometimes he, was, he had just been drinking. And Rod, Rodney had this life, and you just didn't know where he might have been the night before. And, and, and we let him be an usher in the church because Rodney was a part of our church. He was always showing up. He was always smiling. And you know what? If his eyes were a little bloodshot and he smelled it on his breath, like, Rodney, you want a break today? Come on, we'll, we'll get you over here and get you some coffee. Somebody get that man some coffee, you know. Rodney was a part of our lives. And I'd always see Rodney. I'd be like, Rodney, how's it going? He goes, ah, preacher, I'm doing all right. I stayed out of trouble this week. I stayed out of trouble. Rodney, I'm proud of you, man. I stayed out of trouble. I had to go, I had to go down to county twice this week for a couple things. All right, Rodney, we love you. Stay away from the kids. Security watch Rodney. Rodney was a part of our lives. And we loved Rodney. I still love Rodney. And you know what? We, we will all risk a daring adventure if we feel like the stakes are worth it. We will all risk running back into the flaming house for our kid or our people. If, we, if, 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 if it's our people. Here's the thing, of the church of Jesus, how many times do we choose complacency over adventure when it comes to seeking and saving the lost? There's a seven-word prayer. It's out of 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I want you to write it down. Put it on an index card. Put it in your reminders. 
says this, I walk by faith, not by sight. Say it with me. I walk by faith, not by sight. We choose adventure over complacency. Well, the bad things could happen. Nate, da, da, da. Yeah, I know. It's called sin. And you know what? The church of Jesus is an organization. We are a people who push back the gates of hell. We don't just fortify our battalions to take on the attacks. We don't just get better at taking hits and lunging out our apologetics. No. We are a force. You know what a force does? A force moves. Moves forward. Moves out. Because this isn't our church. It's his church. So churches that party, churches that celebrate, churches that have this adventurous expectation of again, again, they're adventurously expected. They're choosing adventure over complacency, over the boring old routine. They are, they, they, they are people who are so in love with Jesus. And then lastly, churches that party, they're choosing today over tomorrow. They're choosing now over later. Those of you that have kids know the power of later. You come to your, your, your kid, I had this strategy used on me by my parents. I come to them with a the request. Yeah, later. Dad, Dad, can I go hang out at, at, at Barry's house? Yeah, you can later. That worked for, for a while until I realized later was never coming. He didn't say no. He just also didn't say yes. Hey, Dad, Dad, can I have a new car? Well, later. And some of us, we, we've perfected the later strategy, not just with our kids or with other people, with ourselves. Well, you know what? When I finally get that job, I'll finally set aside some donations to give to that cause that, that I get emotional about, you know, the Sarah McLaughlin and the dying dogs or whatever. Two people. When later comes, when I finally get that job, when I finally do this thing, when this finally happens, I'll finally be able to do X, Y, or Z. My dad had a thing. He worked in a machine shop. It was just this round thing, and it had T-U-I-T on it, and it was a round to it. I'll do it when I get around to it, and he'd flip it to people. There you go. Get on it. Some of us have perfected the art of later. Here's what Paul says. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything that God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Celebrations happen right now, or we never get around to it. Partying in the kingdom of God. Choosing adventurously expectant happens today, or it probably won't happen. It's the, same, it's the same dynamic we have when it's like, well, I'll, I'll start working out after Monday. I'll start taking those walks after, after this birthday party, after vacation, after summer. Yeah, I wanted the bikini body going into summer, but now I'm going to have a Christmas bikini body. Yeah, I'll do it after Christmas. And everybody's a bikini body if you've got enough creativity. Just saying. But we've perfected the art of later. And we wait for the magical calculus and equation to be solved. 
before we move forward. If you wait for the right moment in the church of Jesus, I want to tell you the right moment will always have another condition put on it for you. It will probably never happen. It's a moving line because it's the same thing with money. You remember what it was like when you got your first job and you were saving up for the whatever thing, that's why you got the job? You know what happened after that? You wanted the next thing and the next thing. And then we find ourselves in our 20s getting jobs. We're making more money than we ever had before, but now we're feeling the crunch of what all comes with all that money and we start living in apartments and we start doing that. And then we get to our 30s and our 40s and somebody says retirement and we're like, I'm not old enough to think about retirement. And they're like, you're actually, you're past the point of thinking for retirement. If you don't start now, you're not going to have X amount of dollars and you're not going to have this, you're not going to have that. And then you find yourself in your 50s. And we look back on the past 30 years and it was, there was all this angst of what we didn't have. Man, that ain't no way to live life. You're saying I shouldn't save? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that when God, the Father, sent his son Christ, Jesus Christ, to this earth, a new story was being created. And you're not the main character. He is. But you get to be a part of that story. And I'm saying that whatever God gives you, whatever you have in this life, is not for you to just consume it all. Or make it all about you. Because by doing that, you're going to look back on 30 years and be like, I'm making more than I've ever made, and what do I got to show for it? Huh. What God gives you is for his glory. If you want to live a life where you capture the excitement again, and again, and again, of that kid that lives inside of you, Submit, this, submit your life to this God. Follow this Jesus. Because what Paul said in Philippians over and over, I haven't figured it out. I don't have accolades that are worth anything. I, I, I can't just hold on to things. I, I must. I, this is so good that it's better than anything else I've ever come up with. And it happens now. It's not when waiting for the right moment. And the conditions will never be right because there's way too much pain and self-interest in the world all around us. So I want to invite you on the adventure. I want to invite you to look at the things in your life and really ask if you're choosing the depth of God or the surface of our humanity. Whether it's your money or your family or your whatever. I want you to look at the things of your life and determine, am I just in the same old routine? Or is there like some adventure that God's called me to walk into? I want you to look at your life and say, you know what, have I just been, have I been an expert at later? Because Our key verse, and I'll read it again. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God, what's next? Do it again. What's next? Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you.
across the room today, we have some people that are deciding, I'm going to choose depth over surface. There's some people who are deciding, I'm going to choose adventure over a boring routine. There's some people that are saying, you know what, now is the time. Jesus is getting a hold of my heart. I'm not going to wait for later. The conditions in this world are never right. I'm not going to wait for later. If you want to pray some prayers of saying, you know what, God, I choose obedience now. I choose salvation now. I choose forgiveness now. I choose your generosity and your love now. I want you to put your hands out in front of you with palms facing upward. I want to pray for you. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, our Lord, I pray over you this adventurously expectant resurrection life. A life where you walk day to day not dreading the next day but wondering how in the world what is coming next out of God's heart what am I going to be a part of Jesus I pray that all across this place we would find ourselves as people who are submitted to who you are again and again and again There's some folks here today that are like, you know what? When it comes to following Jesus, I need to make a decision for Jesus today. Some of y'all have made decisions over the past month. I want to encourage you with a couple things. One, if you need to say that prayer today and get things right with God, we're going to pray it together. But secondly, if you've said that prayer, if if you've been making that decision to follow Jesus, you need to get baptized on Wednesday night. You need to get dunked in the pool, and it's this, it's this moment of saying death to the life before Christ, death to the old me, and a new resurrection life awaits me from here on out. So all across this room, if you're far from Jesus and you want to say, you know what, I choose Jesus. I choose resurrection.